Welcome back to the Film Alchemist Podcast, the show where we take the movies we love, break them apart, to find out what gives them their magic. I'm your host, Josh Griffey, joined as always by my friend, co-host, and guy who likes to write letters, I don't know. I'm a simple man. I'm Alex Dandino. <laughs> he said it, not me. All right, before today's thrilling finale to the month of Amour, uh, a little business people. It's official. We're on Patreon. That's right. Patreon.com slash Pod. Hey, we've seen some of you showing up lately. That is awesome. Thank you guys so much for that. really love that. Thank you. Love seeing new people. Guys, it's the absolute best way to support the show. Help us grow this show. That's what we're working on, right? Turning that uh, support into ways to grow the show. So we, we thank you guys so much. That means the world to us. So if you already are with us, thank you. Thank you. If you're not, you get access to an awesome Patreon library where if you're here listening, hopefully you like these shows, you can uh, get some of that. You can vote on the movies that go in there. You can do a double feature. There's all kinds of options once you get over there. we got our Tales from the Crypt miniseries going right now. So it would mean the world to us if you would go to patreon.com slash filmalchemistpod and help the show out. Uh, we would appreciate it. The YouTube Film Alchemist, the email filmalchemistpod at gmail.com. We're on all the socials you're on, so go ahead and hit us up. We love to hear us from you. Guys, two things you can do that are free and easy to help the show. Five-star ratings and reviews wherever you find us. That helps us algorithmically, mm-hmm. right? When our algorithmic bitch mom is trying to keep our love apart, <laughs> right? A little five-star, a little sentence or two will help us out, right? Mm-hmm. Another thing, yep. if you guys are listening to the show, you probably love movies. You probably know someone else who loves movies. Text them the show. Share the show with them, however you whatever, communicate. Whatever episode you like, send them that clip. Send, send them an them episode. episode. Send them the, the show Say, hey, page. You might like this. Wherever. Just share the show with them, and we'll take it from there. We're going to Ponzi scheme this thing up. So thank you guys in advance. All right. The finale of the month of Amour. A movie that I have dodged like COVID so many times. I'm going to say I'm this COVID at the immune. top. It's fine. Friend of the pod, Brett Rhodes, get cranking. I know you're listening. In the shower, so get ready. Oh no, is that the jerker offer? <laughs> yeah, this is this is that's Brett, our friend Brett. So he's the jerker offer, but I keep accusing Fosky of being the jerker offer. You do, you do. Okay, so I'm just slandering a good man's name <laughs> <laughs> while letting some other sudsy bad man escape. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I've avoided the Notebook like the plague. It doesn't feel like it's for me, right? There's just not a lot in my sensibility that feels like this movie you'll get to. I would my agree wife with that. loved it, right? I knew everyone I knew loved this movie as a big ordeal when it came out. Mm-hmm. I just skipped it. Sure. So, of course, the month of Amour, the, uh, the, the rich chickens come and knocking. Yeah, this the pod sense. loves to tell us a love story. This month of Amour, you know, we always do romance tales for February. Right, so, right. the notebook has finally arrived. Up top, I'll say two things. <laughs> this was not the high romantic yarn that it was pitched to me. I kind of knew right. the gist, right? Like, I knew what was happening. Everybody and knows as the I basics. watched the movie, I don't think they do a very... They don't do very much legwork in covering up exactly who these two olds are. Right. Right? But I thought that part was an engaging. I'm like, that's a really interesting. It's like a highfalutin version of 50 First Dates with Adam Sandler, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I was agree. like, all right, this is a good tale, right? A man trying to bring back his an old Southern version of 50 First Secondly, Dates. Secondly, the second thing I'll say after being hooked by that, you know, setup, pretty nice. This is 
more of a train wreck than a romance. Like this is this is obnoxious to hard to watch a lot. And not not like the filmmaking. But there are some decisions that are made, some wild ass things that are happening. Sure. Absolutely. Um it left a bad taste in my mouth. This was not the high romance that I thought. The movie itself, perfectly fine movie, right? Sure. It's a well well crafted tale. Mm-hmm. I'm just baffled by some choices, so I'm interested to talk to you, an old uh, an old front guard of the fucking Notebook fan club. Mm, I would not call myself any front guard of a fan club. That's you were like the Leonidas of the the fan club for the Notebook. Okay. You brought you this do movie this, to the you show. Do this whenever, you do this whenever I choose a movie. Don't do this. <laughs> don't start the movie like this. Don't, don't air our laundry, like Alex. Don't, don't air get our all bitchy about public. this at the top. And don't, start to- don't yell at me in front of the children. Stop. Don't start like this. Don't start. How like dare that. you? How dare you? So, so the notebook, I think um, I have a prodigiously entertaining history with the notebook because it was one of those things where um, in high school cause it came out when I it came out my, I think my junior or senior year. I can't remember when um, but it came out I was in high school and there was a girl that I was friends with. Um, not my girlfriend. Trying to <laughs> be girlfriend. No, we had actually already dated and mm. Uh, I don't know how it came about, but she was like, do you want to go see The Notebook? And I was like, yeah, sure. Because at the end of the day, the end of the day, I was like, there is a chance I could get a you know a kiss, at the worst, an HJ out of this, whatever. <laughs> Cut that part out. <laughs> <laughs> no, that stays in. This is important. This is important. Um, so we went and saw the movie, and I was like, well, that was fun. That was cool. You know, that was, you know, that was a good tearjerker fest. You know, everyone's crying in the theater except for me. Whatever. It's fine. Um and then when I got to by my freshman year at Ball State, and you know this as well, uh, in Brayton Clevenger, you had um, – because in the Midwest, you uh, when I moved out into San Diego, they had co-ed floors, which shocked the hell out of me. In the Midwest, you had to have uh, male and female dorm floors. IU has some, some co-eds. Oh, nice. Okay, cool. So at Ball State, when we were at Brayton Clevenger, they had male and female uh, dorm floors. Um, so you had a sister floor, or if you were uh, on a girl floor, you had a brother floor. But basically, um, um, okay, you remember the open houses we did, uh, for like freshman year Ball State, you would do that with your um, sister floor or whatever. So a couple of guys like put up lights and shit like that and like did like a party. I was like, that's weird. I would never do that. Like you're just meeting people for the first time. That's the impression you want to leave is that you're a fucking weirdo who like puts up like glow lights and shit. Who hangs off Ferris wheels. Yeah. All right. So I being the savvy freshman in college I was, was just like, I'm just going to put on the notebook and sit in my room and no one will pay attention. I don't know what it was. Literally half the floor showed up at my room to watch the notebook. I didn't ask anyone to come in. were flowing. Floor locos apparently were flowing, but this is, what, this is what it is. Since then, yes, I do find the notebook entertaining, but probably in the same way that you found it entertaining in the way that it is so unhinged. In so many ways, it yeah, is. I want to. I want to just get to something off the front street, right? Because the 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 there, pappy romance, right? Like them recasting themselves as better looking people in this like fantasy retelling. Of course, that's fine, right? Yeah. The sub with as James Gardner, uh, in the older version of her, right? I love those scenes. There's a real tenderness there. It's really sweet. It kind of has two problems, right? <laughs> Which is when they tell Just us halfway two, huh? through that these are her kids, right? And yeah. she's got Alzheimer's, right? I feel like as an audience, we already knew kind of what was going on. 
mm-hmm. it does kind of take the piss out of the the romance story right it's from weird. that point of the movie on the more that we're doing the will she won't she i really just want to get back to the old to see him trying to reach her right rather yeah. than seeing the the culmination of this romance tale that i already know the end to right now, right and this is a me and cloud argued about this on tales from the griff too I'm a real don't show me the ending before the fucking movie starts, right? It kind of always bothers me. Sure. So sure. this is so the movie kind of had that problem for me. When she's doing her, you know, tits out painting. I don't know if this is the right place for me. It's like, well, all right, you do. Like this isn't really that interesting. Um the scene at the end when she finally comes back to him, right? How are the kids? Tell them this and that. You're like, "Oh, this is really great, man. I'm really loving this scene." And then it turns into Gothica starring Halle Berry. Yes. Like, rapidly. Where in the middle of her saying, you know, tell the kids I love them, she stops recognizing James Gardner, has a full freak out. He's, like, aggressively pursuing her. Mm-hmm. Right? So now she's afraid this stranger is going to hurt her. Right. The doctors run in and just fucking start jamming needles in her so she can calm down while he, you know, pouts on the bed. <laughs> Right. And the doctor comes in. He's like, I told you that when science ends and God begins, that's where the bad stuff starts. You motherfucker. Stop. (laughs) This is this. It starts off as this romantic setup. Right. And Mm -hmm. I was really vibing it. Yeah. yeah. When you have to see the ramifications of what this is such a fucking selfish decision. I think that is the key torture this lady so that that he can have his five minutes. You're weighing her five minutes that she won't remember and his five minutes of, I, I did it, I want her back. I think that is a really key component. That is a it really key component of this movie. brutal to watch. And the hardest thing about watching, because look, I mean, I've watched this movie. Obviously, I saw this when I was like 17 or 18, and I'm 36 now. So I've seen it a few times over the years. And it shifts and changes more and more as time goes on. And I think the thing that I always come back to... And, and I probably didn't recognize this when I was younger because I wouldn't have. As I've gotten older, and particularly once I got married and saw this, the level of selfishness that is required to be Noah in this movie is pretty shocking. Well, that, I, I can imagine there's people out there yelling at us right now. I'm and sure like, there are. She wakes up but a couple minutes of a day. How nice is it that he's it, Right. She is my home. Because the kids are like, come back, dude. She's gone. He's that, like, no, she's see, my home. That's a huge fucking problem. I I'll stay there. Family. And I was like, that sentiment, I was like, I love that, right? Like an ailing spouse, you know, you're going to stick with him to the end, right? I love guess. that sentiment. But again, Very she doesn't Very expensive have, to stay in that home. <laughs> well, not even that, right? They had that fucking uh, plantation money. So they can do whatever the fuck they want. She the kids, had no money. inheritance for you, I guess. Um, well, yeah, her, her fucking mustachio dad was rich so she's probably passing it on they're paying it forward like Haley joel i fucking love we gotta talk about that dad my favorite character of the whole movie yes i we'll get to the the pappy romance but we have to get this out i think it's such a strange choice at the end again she's not dying of cancer right you're not comforting her on her way out sure you are coaxing her back to a state that she is essentially lost for 99.9 percent of her life right to then fucking plummet her back into the depths of fear and despair as this man is getting fucking fresh with her, right? This man she doesn't know is running at her, calling her names, trying to get more hugs and smooches, right, and dances. And it's like, excuse me, sir, this is my room. I don't know you. Can you back the fuck up? 
Right, That's right. a fucking brazen choice to put at the end of this movie. Yeah. Right. And then it's, we see he sneaks back to her when she's in the fucking ward, like when she's like looking through the cage glass. Right. Yeah, and then yeah. she's in the ward and he crawls in bed with her. Somehow she's perfectly alert now and doesn't need the fucking long fucking tail. And then the very last thing we see is them in bed and she goes, do you think our perfect love can have us go together? And I was like, are they using their romance to psychically smother each other in their sleep? Yes. <laughs> are we to assume, right? Because the movie starts with that fucking horrible birdemic art of the fucking swans flying off the yeah, red yeah. lake. Right? And then it ends with the swans. I was like, are we to assume <laughs> that they're so, they loved each other so much they fucking Darth Vader choked each other to death? And their souls are <laughs> flying away to hell? It's funny that you put it that way because I actually was talking with Andrea about this because like yes my wife for the, yeah my wife also said it's disturbing to hear how you think about movies. That's what I saw. We'll, I don't we'll get, think I invented we'll, that. Well, we'll get to that part, but more to the point, I because I was talking with my wife about this and this is the like leap in logic. I this is the leap in logic that I have with it. Like there's a lot of Alzheimer's in my side of the family, and. um you know, it's always sad. You know, we've seen Grandma I've, Griff had it so bad, and she was yeah. like four foot ten, maybe. My dad said at the end, because I was like, "Should I go see her?" He's like, "No, she won't. She doesn't even know me. She definitely won't know you." He said that she, because she was tiny, like one of the mm -hmm. tiniest ladies I've ever seen. Every morning, she would get woken up by the guy bringing the food into her, mm -hmm. and she was so fucking scared she would like run and try to hide. Because she thought someone it's, was coming in to get her. It gets every it's very morning with breakfast. That's how my grandma Griff started her day. It's very scary. Like my Alzheimer's both, to me is like the scariest fucking shit. Absolutely. It, my 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 grandfather and my my grandfather and my grandmother and my mom's side of the family have both had it, and it's very, well. You'll at least always have these podcasts to bring you back. Yeah, it's true. I mean, I'll always listen to these podcasts. Just turn on the house that Jack built. You're but, like Griff. Griff. It's one of those things there, where it's a very sad thing to watch when I was younger. But yeah. like, here's the thing. This is the problem I have with that moment too, because like I've never, I have never liked the ending of this movie. Like I want to be very clear about this. Like even can't we I, just fucking let them have their nice dance and cut to fade to black? Yeah, like I I enjoyed I enjoy this movie. Right. Having said that, the end of this movie makes no fucking sense to me because the problem I have with it is like they're sitting there. Because <laughs> I agree, like they're basically like questioning, like, do you think our love's powerful enough? To take us away from here. I'm like, if you, that is the logic you're applying to the situation, how about instead, like, I do you think our love's powerful enough disturbing. to just keep me like, here the entire time? Like, you're asking two of the of same. Faith, I have Alzheimer's. Good Lord. <laughs> yeah, it's like, wait a second. So you're, you'd rather just, just peace out with this guy than, like, do you think our love has the power? for like, you. There is a huge problem with the power gap here in their love. Yes. Do you, have you read the book? Or are you familiar with the book? I have no idea. I have no frame of reference for the book at all. Is this a Jesus thing? So Nicholas Sparks is known for doing um, some God stuff. There Jesus is some, adjacent. Yeah, he. I'd say Jesus adjacent. So this, this was like his. Big, of, I believe this is his breakout novel. This is a, a Bible thing that people like in that stuff, right? Is that the meek will inherit the earth, and it's good to suffer in this. So I wondered if there is a part of it that you know maybe that explains why. But to me, if you're taking away, this guy does all this work, has given up everything in his life, his grandkids he's forsaking, his children he's forsaking, like a real piece of shit. Um, so they're all just orphaned now because he's got to go read this book every day. 
that she wrote, right? That was a nice touch. Read this to me and I'll come back. Right. I would have said, dear, you're not a medical doctor. That's not how this works, but neither here nor there. Um, watching her try to bring her back and then getting to that dance. Awesome. Yeah. And I'm sure the counterpoint argument is showing how bad it gets deepens our respect for what Noah's putting himself through. That is not my take. I don't think no. it's what he's because he has to suffer I, too, right? I'll be honest with I you. I think he I've, is really hurting this lady more than he's ever helping I, her. I have always since I've gotten older, like high school, you're dumb and you don't pay attention to this stuff. Definitely since I've been married and mostly since I've had a kid. The level of selfishness required to do what Noah does bothers me a lot. Okay, like, so everyone's going to be yelling at us. Do you think the ending adds a look at what a trooper he is? He keeps coming back for her. I'm assuming that was the intention. I think that I think the intention is that it's th this is the problem with Nicholas Sparks in general, I think too. Is that romantic love like you and I've been married for a very long time. I you know, you, you've been with you've been with Amy for longer. I've been with Andrea for much longer than I've been married to her at this point. So like it's one of those things though where it's like romantic love it's not just romantic love like there's also this like mutual respect and there's like a lot of other things that go into being and building a lasting relationship with someone and i think the problem i take with nicholas sparks stories is that it is purely based on this like idea of like fleeting romantic love at the top and it's like this thing that just never goes away and i'm like that is bullshit like people, I mean, in this one, not... he has loved her for a long time and gone through these Job-like we... prostrations. See, of... <laughs> no, but see, they're all put upons. Like she this hates is the me. Problem. Let me suffer more and more. This is the because okay, we, we got we now we have to start at the beginning of this. Like at the beginning of like let's, in the nineteen. Let's keep it at the ending before we jump. That was my fault. Well, I can't really answer the other question until unless we talk because like I do not think that I don't. I think he puts himself through a lot of these trials and tribulations for really no reason. Like yeah. there are things that are illogical without, without question illogical in this story. Right. So, but, but like most of it comes down to his choices as a guy who claims to be in love with this woman rather than maybe just being like the world's greatest celebrated stalker, you know, like yeah. that's pretty much it. Now, I think this is our cynical natures because I don't think anyone would like equate writing letters with a stalker. I think no. ever, but if you went on a Tinder date and the next thing you know, this guy sent you a text message every day for a year, mm -hmm. not just a you text message, you would probably like, block his like number big, and let someone know. A, a big, like, you have to scroll through your phone. Yeah, one of those text, text messages message. where you're like, good God, there's more. You're just like, I'm not yeah, even yeah. reading that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, okay, maybe it's not just us, but. I don't know. I don't know. This is kind of my base question with the movie is I don't know if the movie gets enough out of what we're doing if we add that terrifying ending. To me, that doesn't add a depth to Noah's journey, right? Look at how much right. he loves her. He keeps coming back for more pain. It feels like he is inflicting massive amounts of pain on her. Right? Like 95% pain, 5%. Oh, it's you. Thank you for reading my book. I think this is pretty fucked up. Like, that ending really fucking shocked me, if I'm being honest. And kind of took the piss out of the whole movie for me, really. It's it's a little strange. 
Yeah. It's, there's, it's interesting too. So like, cause obviously I have the DVD and when you're, you know, I, 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 yeah, I have the DVD. How do you, how else do you think that's we the didn't shield st- you use at the front of the fan club? We weren't streaming in college. I had to have the DVD. So oh, that's um, right. I forget this movie's that old. Yeah. So there are deleted scenes in this movie that explain a little more about like what it all was, but it's, Oh, still... he also keeps giving himself heart attacks from dealing with this. Yes, so he's had so he has like yeah he has general heart problems like overall, but this obviously puts a, a general wearing down. Yes, a general wearing down. Um, but <laughs> there are other pieces of this, and it's funny too because like they take it out of the movie. There's one scene in particular that I'm like, oh, that's actually a really good scene between him and Sam Shepard, where uh, it's after they bought the house and he's like working on the house. And Sam Shepard literally addresses the problem in the movie, like head on in this deleted scene where he goes, I'm worried about you, son. And it's Sam Shepard. So he's just so fucking good. Sam Shepard fucking rules. He's awesome in this. Like he's so good in this movie, but he literally goes, I don't know if I'd paint the house white. And he's like, really? He goes, what would you paint? Like black. Isn't that, isn't that the, isn't that the color of morning? And it was like, dude, he puts the whole thing on front street, right? There's like, listen, man, if I could build a house and bring your mom back, I fucking would. She'd be right here hanging out with us now. But that's not how people, that's not how life works, man. Do you really think if you build this house, she's going to show up again? And he goes, yeah. And he's like, all right, you're crazy. He's, I'm going down to the fire. I'm going to go drink beer. I, I cannot see, be around He had not anymore. seen the VHS of Beauty and the Beast, so he didn't know the all you got to have is a castle rule. Yeah, yeah. Right? Oh, you got a library? Our, you know what? I all am right. seeing something that wasn't there before. He got that library. <laughs> Oh, you got a suit and a dress? There is something there that wasn't there before. He's running the Beauty and the Beast playbook <laughs> as the worst Hail Mary in movie history. Right? I'm yes. going to re-fucking build this plantation. Right? Which I think that's a thing Southern people love. And, you know, we don't think about, like, yeah, that's kind of gross. You know, this is also back then. Right. But, like, my, my aunt and uncle, they live in a house that looks like a plantation but is just in a neighborhood. Right. And I was like, I think that style of architecture can just go. Like, I think we got to be done with that. You know, there is like, there is this other thing we're not talking about. <laughs> so this movie all takes place in the South. Mm-hmm. And there is like, and it's like the 40s. There's something about this movie particularly. I'm like, why can't you guys address this properly? Because it is an uncomfortable situation, which is essentially... Rachel McAdams' parents are co- like Rachel McAdams' dad's like basically a cotton baron. And oh, is he? See, I didn't know what he did. Oh, that's right. Yeah, he owns a cotton yeah. company. Yeah. Like he's like he's like a cotton baron in fucking Jim Crow South, and fucking uh, like no one described. Like no one discusses yeah. it ever. I mean, kind it's of like very... showing the horrifying ending of this tale, just showing the horrifying <laughs> like, trauma that again, has created is... their wealth. I think this is what is was what's fascinating about the notebook to me is that it's a romance it's a romance movie for people who like and I get it look sometimes you don't want to have to apply any logic to some of these movies if you apply like the one basic thread of logic to some of these scenarios you're like this movie doesn't happen at all like not a chance this is a fairy, t- but see the movie protects itself away in that because this is her her fairy tales kind of diary where she rewrote this. Yeah, yeah. And there is no shortage of, you know, thirty to fifties era American nostalgia 
where the worst thing was socias and greasers, right? And it's like we're forgetting this whole other massive group of people that do not have nostalgia for what was going on back then, but we just brushed past that, right? That's like a pretty common theme right. in entertainment, I would say. Um, so this is but there, but this is. I'll tell you what the most racist thing in the movie was. If we're gonna just well, get this out, going to see Lil Abner? Yes, agreed. That well, maybe. I mean that that was part of yeah. The thing that I was like, that's fucking racism. Like you got to stop that. Is when the set, like the performers that when he proposes to her, they're just up there doing their set. They got yeah. like a big band playing. He proposes to her in like this really horrendous proposal. Like only guys that look like James Marsden can do something that stupid. Right. Mine was actually the worst proposal of all time. But no, he runs was. up on stage and just interrupts the band. Right. They're in the middle of a ditty. He just right. takes the mic and he's like, hey, pipe down. I'm engaged. And it's like, what the fuck? You do not jump up on stage and interrupt a band with your personal news. Right. No one gives a it's, fuck you're engaged. It's the 30s. That's what people did. Right. And it's like, it's also because that also was a pure love, like he does not respect this band. Because <laughs> I also like I love that actor. The guy who plays the band leader. Mm. Um, I can't. He was the same guy from that thing you do. Um, and he's been, I think he was in um, he was in a show called My Brother and Me. Or was that him? No, that was another guy. Sorry. Um, what was the, there was another movie that he was in, but either way, um, that's always the thing too, is I'm just like, wait, so you just cut this guy off while he's like literally know. leading a band. He's like, Hey, hang on, hang on. I have a what very important white announcement for everyone. Me. Can you bring it down a notch? I have a very I important white announcement again. for everyone. I have cheekbones and a wife. <laughs> it's like, All right. Fuck off. dude. All right. Get out of here. Yeah. It, it's not great. It's that shouting at the, you know, the nicest lady cooking your food ever when she doesn't want to have to. She's like, oh, I'll help you pack, Miss Sally. I don't want to pack. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. Do you the remember best, Thursday? The, like, best is the, yeah. the best is the look on her face after she says it. She goes, okay. Yeah. Mm, all right. Fuck me then. Right she goes back yeah. to the kitchen. She goes, these white people are out of their minds. I'm these motherfuckers. Yeah. Absolutely. Dude. <laughs> Everything she does at the start of this movie, it's kind of like a Courtney Love light, right? Like yeah. she is real fucking dramatic. So it's for starts a woman with, who lives in a fucking mansion. Yeah. So it starts in this. It starts with this hanging off the Ferris wheel thing, where he clearly is friends with all these carnies. That's and, a um, red flag behavior, right there, right See, there. That's a problem. I'm sure some people watch this and are like, "How romantic is that?" You're like. Not he was all. about to fucking he was splatter about to kill entrails himself. on a fucking Just child because. waiting for the Ferris wheel yeah. because he wanted to get it in. Yeah. That's fucked up. And all because she said she did. Also, by the way, she said no. She was polite. And he said he was the aggressor. That's a problem. Yeah. That's a red yeah. flag behavior. Absolutely. Well, this was the era of Tarzan-like masculinity, right? Like, we have to go club and conquer and treat people like shit. And then they try um, to follow it up with, like, saying, that... If you fucking fall off a Ferris wheel and splatter blood on my child, I'm going to come piss on your grave. Right. Because you well, wanted then, to get a girlfriend. That's well, unacceptable. See, it's interesting because, like, every time he does this, like, weird, psychotically obsessive behavior, they followed up with a scene that makes it look like, oh, see, it's kind of cute. Like, the next scene is him walking home. this is the from... one that's, like, real bad, though. Like, that one well, yeah, is this, ridiculous. That's the, right. And that's the one at the top. So they followed up with this scene where he explains, like, oh, you know, when I see something, I got to have it. I love it. It's like, okay, yeah. stalker. Got it. Thank yeah. you. Great. Doth it's... quote the rapist. Yeah. <laughs> what are you talking about? What the fuck are you talking about? I got to have it. I'm like, yeah, yeah. We, we're, you know who else says that? Children Five feet away, please. Yeah. 
Fucking kids under 10 and criminals talk like that, sir. <laughs> Can you fucking bring it down a notch? Right. Then they all go see little Abner, and then Let they sit in the question. middle of the street. Did Ryan Gosling have contact lenses? No. Those are his blue. Those are, those are his baby blues. I feel like he had black eyes in this movie, like a devil. <laughs> I mean, there are a couple of moments where he's got Hannibal Lecter moments, yeah. Well, because there is this weird, I thought he had black eyes, eye contacts. So he would look like James Gardner. But then at the end, we realize we see their old pictures, and that's not them. This is who she's imagining they look like. I like the idea that... They're the Walmart dime novel version. There is a version of this where (laughs) that scene where they're in the house when it's super dilapidated, and they're getting naked, is he takes his shirt off, and he's got the red dragon tattoo on his back. (laughs) Do you see? Do you see? see? (laughs) (laughs) That's the movie I wanted. (laughs) Yeah. See, that's the thing. I think most of his romantic attempts are not horrendous, right? The laying in the street, that's kind of a normal thing, right? They both could have been splattered under tire. Again, spraying entrails on common bystander. Not great. The moment is when she meets Sam Shepard, and he's reading poetry. He's reading Whitman. And then Sam Shepard is just charm on a stick. And then they have breakfast at night. That's mm-hmm. when I'm like, this makes sense that she's hooked yeah, and that, that he's super fucking handsome. Yeah. Did I ever tell you about Skylar insulting Ryan Gosling at LA Fitness? Yes, you did, actually. But you I need to tell I that on the spot. So we used to work out at LA Fitness uh, on Kohanga Pass, right, in uh, the valley. And my brother was a big fucking huge bodybuilder guy, right? A little shorter, shorter than me, but just fucking jacked on jacked on jacked. And so he would make me go be his weightlifting partner, right? So, you know, I used to be all right back then. I was strong and big or whatever. Now I'm just a frail, broken old diabetic, but neither here nor there. Um, But we're at the gym, right? And we're fucking, you know, doing bench press or something, I think. And we look over, and there's this guy in these shorts, and he has, like, a little hoodie on. I think he's trying to cover his face. And Skyler, like, sees him. He's doing, like, walking lunges, right? And he's holding, like, 10-pound dumbbells. Perfectly fine, right? This was pre-Ryan Gosling getting a little pumped up, too. So my brother's like, watch this. He walks over to him at the gym. And when Ryan Gosling finishes a set, he picked up the 10-pound dumbbell and goes, oh, you're so strong. (laughs) And then he'd look at me and go, (laughs) you like Dom DeLuise laugh and point at Ryan Gosling. (laughs) But not like covering it, like to Ryan Gosling's face. And he goes, oh, this hurts my hand. You're so strong. (laughs) He's just such a fucking idiot. And I was like, what are you doing? And so uh, Ryan Gosling like, pulls the hood back. And he's just, uh, you know, the all most right, handsome man. Guy ever. And yeah. my brother kept making fun of him. And he left. And I go, that's the fucking dude. I was like, that dude was just in Remember the Titans or something. Right. And Skyler just goes, yeah, right. He's a puss. And I was like, I don't know what that has to do with acting. And I was like, right on, man. So, yeah, essentially, my brother shamed the fuck out of Ryan Gosling for trying to better himself and thought it was hilarious. So I do like to think that when Ryan Gosling got pumped up, he just saw my brother's big dumb mug in his face. And he's like, fuck that guy. Fuck that guy. Fuck that guy. I'm going to get ripped. He literally just left in the middle of a workout because my brother is being such an unbearable cop. <laughs> and those of you who have met my brother, Skyler, yeah, imagine like an almost six foot tall Ronnie from Jersey Shore, but buffer. Yeah. That's who we're dealing with, right? So it was an interesting, and that's the Bless thing. He didn't scandal. even know who he was. It was just a chance encounter right. with Ryan Gosling. So, but neither here nor there. 
I think when this movie really works is like what you're talking about, like scenes like that feel very naturalistic because there's stuff that is, yeah. here's the thing. I know you don't agree with this. I think Ryan Gosling and Rachel McAdams are very good together on, in this movie. They have a lot of great chemistry. I will. It made me appreciate Emma Stone a lot more because I think she finds this natural chemistry with people so fast. They weren't. It felt to me like Rachel McAdams. It almost felt like she was doing a. Remember when Jared Leto was the Joker and he just kept saying "I'm the Joker" instead of being the Joker? Sure. That's how he kind of felt about her and her romantic partners in this. Like she was so kind of like cartoonishly over the top in how she spoke and behaved. I feel like so it that, wasn't Gosling as much as her. Like I feel like, like that real, with James Marsden. Like, I think just the I now, think see, those her, two they bounced off each other like fucking you know Daffy Duck and Mickey Mouse. Yeah, it was weird. I think that um, you can't have two people like that in one relationship. I guess I think Ryan Gosling, I think Ryan Gosling, Rachel McAdams had a lot of naturalism to the way they spoke to each other on camera. Like there's like those scenes were there together. Like obviously when they were Sam upset. Shep I agree when they were not yeah. happy with each other. It felt like, like Sam Shepard, Sam Shepard. Like you can't make every a bad scene with Sam Shepard. Perfect. Yeah. You can't make a bad scene in a movie with Sam Shepard. Joan Allen too. Like Joan Allen is like the most like weird patriarchal or weird matriarchal character you could put in a movie and she's fucking fantastic like and i love joan allen in movies she's fucking awesome in this um rachel mcgann's ryan gosling have this really great rapport this like naturalism and i know they dated after this movie and all that shit that doesn't really matter to me like i i think that they are just very in the scenes that aren't meant to be this like fleeting romance like that scene when they're um, rowing back after they see the ducks or whatever, and it's raining, like there's nothing romantic about that at all. First off, they're wet; it's disgusting. Um, That's how it should be. No. Oh no, are you and doing the, the Ben Shapiro? <laughs> Ew, wet ass pussy, gross. My wife has never. No, been no. Wet. Remember? Do you no, remember when is... Ben Shapiro did that? <laughs> oh yeah, where he, he talks about how dry, how like, dry his wife's. My wife said wife's that's the problem was. if your vagina's wet, and I'm like. Your wife is getting it somewhere else in line. Yeah, to you. your wife is getting it laid sure. elsewhere, sir. Your wife is getting it wet somewhere else, my friend. A vagina no, doctor um, knows. <laughs> no, I was that's no. The what I'm, cell phone ever. what I'm, I'm saying is, it's raining out. Go inside. It's terrible. That's well, that's, they that's were stuck bad. on the on the water. On the water. and it was a wet t-shirt contest with Ryan Gosling. Um, but like scenes, I agree. Like scenes where they're fighting, like the one when they break up is really good, just because like that. I'm like, if you've ever been in there, other than like her. Other than her tendency to slap him in the face, which Love I have never experienced with my relationship in my relationship, um, there's a lot of naturalism to those kinds of moments, and I think that the movie hinges on those two feeling very natural, so that everything else seems so absurd. So why would anything? Why would you hope that she would make? Because let's be very honest about this: in every other facet of reality, James Marsden gets the girl. Like, there is literally no, yeah. like, okay, so uh, you came Dude, back to this town. They were doing, like, riding those fucking dressage horses on their fucking fancy pants on the beach. I was like, Good this is over. God. It's yeah. a wrap. Come on. This guy, also, this guy's like, got it. They, this isn't the classic, like, Mr. Darcy. It's like, James Marsden is equally charming and awesome. He's like, like he's a great crazy, guy. Crazy cheekbones, equally charming and lovely, like very friendly. Also, like she's like, I'm gonna also go to this town. Also, a war town hero. And, like, I mean, he checks gonna, off all the same boxes except for that he wasn't first. And then on top of everything else, she's like, I'm gonna go to this town I used to vacation in and go antiquing. And he's like, Uh, all right, sure. 
Well, the like, movie is cool. The movie is trying to do this like old timey slut shaming of her. Yeah. Which I don't think that's a right. If you if you're getting married, you have the right to go out and be like, is this what I really want? Right. Turns out it wasn't for her. I don't think that's like a shaming thing. But the movie insists on putting us in that headspace. Right. He goes, should I worry? And she goes, no, I don't think so. Yeah. Uh, she drives okay, right cool. there and is getting it clapped within like, you know, the same day. Yeah. Like there cool. was no give at all. Like, no, maybe I'll think about this. Yeah. Right. Like once the wetness hit from above, it hit from below. It was go yeah. time. It was go time. And so was I was like, that's one of those you drove there knowing, exactly knowing you were going to fuck. Yeah. And then your, your, your fucking boyfriend calls you like a hundred times. Well, no, I guess, did they fuck the second day? They fucked the second day because she's like, can you come back tomorrow morning? I want to show you something. He's like, sure. And then he's like, I wrote you all those letters. She's like, oh, okay, cool. You're a stalker. Let's do this. Right. So, yeah. So they, they meet the first day. Then the second day, he's like, hey, I'm going to take you out here. Wet, wet, bang. They yeah. wake up on the floor and he's like, stop trying to bang me. I'm going to die. So you're like, oh, okay. So she's not getting that much banging elsewhere. And then his other side piece shows up. They have dinner together. Right. Mm -hmm. And she I do love that line, though. She's great in the movie, the side piece where she just goes, oh, dude, she's amazing. I, I'm actually happy for you. It gives me something to be excited for. Right. She was a war yeah. widow. Mm -hmm. There's that previous scene where they had like the kind of sex where he looked like it was the Amityville horror. Yeah. Right. Like, oh, no, I know how this ends. Axe Moitas. Um, <laughs> but yeah. And then, you know, they start clapping it around. And I'm like, the moment you stay overnight and start clapping it. You know that your your fiance is gonna know that you're banging, right? Like yeah. you you want him to know, but you're not like just calling him and saying, "Hey, I actually like this." It's very. We get clear. to the point where there's one of the most absurd scenes in the movie is not only that this man his father sold his house, he got a loan so they could rebuild this plantation, Yikes. but that he maintains <laughs> it and keeps it on forty cents a day. Oh, dude! And then he the guy who's like trying to the the, the rich dude. Where he grabs his gun because he doesn't yeah. want to sell it because he needs her to come but back. He makes an entire paint studio right, for her so she can paint tits out. And then she still is like, I don't know. And I was like, get the fuck out so there's, of here. There's also this there's this thread of. Oh, there, there's the other thing, too. And this is something I thought about. This is the, I've never really considered this one until this last time I watched, which was. This the notebook is something that uh, Allie writes. So like mm -hmm. she sits down and writes the story of how they came back together, that kind of thing. Okay, cool. So that means all of this is her own words. I mean, he might be so taking I, some editor's benefits, and she so can't I was, remember what so, she wrote. So like for, for instance, like I thought about this, like in this scene particularly where she's where she's read where James Garner's reading the um the the portion where he's like. Thought seriously, like got rip roaring drunk for three days. Thought seriously about setting the the house on fire. Like, is that editorial? Are you just making that shit up? He's adding his perspective to her journal. Is, well, that's my question. Or maybe he is, told is he her and then it? she documented it later. That's when she's see, and that's, she that, that's the part of this movie that I think is really, that's the part that's actually interesting to me about the Notebook itself and the reading of the Notebook, which is that who is because he's the reader, but she's the writer, so. Is he an unreliable narrator? Is he editorializing when things happen? Like, I'm sure a little. Like for, like for instance, when um, James Margin interrupts the band leader who's doing his job completely, man like managing to you know entertain all these people and ruins it to you know announce his engagement. 
She's like, at that moment, she thought about Noah. It's like, did she? Are you just making this shut up? Are you making this much more romantic than it really is? You think she wasn't that in love with him and he's just adding all his fucking pepper? <laughs> maybe she, maybe actually. He's like, movie, I got to spice this up a bit. I've read this thing fucking how many two times. Actually, here, here's, here, here's, something I, here's something I just thought about. How many times do you think he's read the notebook and she's gone, oh, James Marston, it's you? And he's like, oh, shit. <laughs> this happens At to every once. story, right? The more you retell your personal once. stories, the more you refine them and harden the edges. So it's a better story. He might be putting some pepper on this. At least I saw once. James Marsden once at a Gelson. He's beautiful. He's beautiful. He's beautiful. He is a beautiful shockingly man. handsome person. Like just like it was like one of those like you double take like oh my god right a way that most men aren't beautiful. So yeah. Yeah. How many times do you think he's read the story and she thought it was James Marsden? I hope a lot. So in the notebook, she's like, "God, I loved him so much." At night, he's like, "Fuck that!" <laughs> Scratches it out. <laughs> All I could think about was Noah's hog. No, that's crude. Noah. <laughs> right? It's like, come on. Come on. A little bit of editorializing there, Noah. I, I just bet think you about did. that awkward scene where we both look from each other's toes to our heads, past the tits and vaginas and dicks, and I was happy that day. It's like, I don't remember thinking that. I'm back, and you lied. It's like, no. Yeah, do you think so how, not only do you does think she have like... the terror of not knowing who this pushy man is, but also knowing she's being rewritten by a hack. Even <laughs> every white writer's worst nightmare. That's what's going on. Uh, so there is one character in this movie that I want to point out that is like the MVP of the whole thing is uh, Vincent Chase's buddy E uh, making an appearance. I got yelled at over this, by the way. I know we laughed about it, but my wife goes, no. No! There's a, there's a so there's a part in this movie. So I'm, look, I've watched a lot of Band of Brothers, and I, I'm uh, you know my it, when you're older, you have to pick a war that you want to be a history buff about. Which and I think mine's gonna end up. Yeah. I think I think I'm gonna be a World War II dad. Like my dad's a World War II dad. I, think I have just been follow. watching a lot of like documentaries on Hitler and North Korea. Yeah. So I think I'm hitting that phase of dad. Yeah. Too. So I think that's so. Um. <laughs> I've always thought this was kind of weird, and I've never had anyone to properly discuss it with until Griffey pointed it out and made me really happy. Is when they're so um, obviously um, World War II begins, um, the U.S. involvement in World War II starts, and Noah and his friend, I can't remember the name of the movie, Finn. Finn. Yeah, they Finn leave Atlanta to go recruit. Noah and Finn uh, leave Atlanta, they enlist to go uh, fight, fight the war. So they're in the middle of snowy Europe somewhere, and you know, um, the planes come in and start blowing everyone to hell. The next shot is him going, Finn, Finn, where are you? And he looks down and Finn is. <laughs> Finn's. <laughs> I should have laughed so much. Oh, Finn... shit. So there's no, there's no. There's no blood or anything anywhere. Like, there's no viscera, no gore, like we've seen in other World War II things. All it is is Finn is buried under some snow, but his little feet are sticking out. Like, <laughs> it looks like a spirit Halloween, like zombie you put in the. I don't know why, I'm, but so he I'm gets blown gonna... up, and his feet are twisted like when Jim Carrey falls off the catwalk in Dumb and Dumber. And I started dying laughing. So they just cut to E, like, drooling. He doesn't say anything. It's supposed goes, to be this powerful, like, how sad is that moment? 
it is. I couldn't control myself. Wasted. I just started dying. I was cackling, I, and my <laughs> wife was just going, "No, no, that's not funny." No, and I just went his little feet, and I just couldn't stop laughing. <laughs> so she was really mad at me over my takes on the notebook. I'm gonna have to find a screenshot of the moment because it is like one of the funniest. It's things not even I've the face. It's in the movie. little feet. You gotta see the little feet. <laughs> It's one of those decisions you're like, why would you do that? <laughs> but that's like probably like there's just listen, for me, there's a lot of great performances in this movie that do a lot of work for a movie that I don't think necessarily like, I've never read the book. But for a story that I think is pretty problematic when you apply any logic to it. Like <laughs> The notebook is complicated. He's just selfish as hell at the end, man. It's brutal at the yeah. end. The rest of it I can vibe with. Because, um, again, you get, like, Sam Shepard. You get the mom. The mom is a great character in this movie. Where she just comes and stalks this, like, day laborer. And she's yeah. like, look, that's the guy I used to bang that I wanted to be with. And then I chose your rich paw. Because it's like, whose side are you on? You're, like, countering your own argument right now. <laughs> you came to yell at her for being a tramp. And now you're like, hey, go bang these working guys. Yeah. Right. Even though I chose your father, I loved him. Right. She because she's brutal. Right. She has the line when they're screaming, knowing her trying to clap it at the fucking plantation and they come back. The police were out. And yeah. She's just like, I love him. I'll never leave him. And she goes, what's wrong with him? And uh, they just go. She's just like, he's trash. He's yeah. trash, trash, trash. And he's and Noah in the hears house. It, it's brutal. Right. And then the dad who you thinks like the softy goes, he ain't it for you. He ain't, ain't good enough for you. Girl. Yeah, he ain't oh, enough for you. Let me twirl my mustache some. That part was brutal, right? So yeah. I think the mom, like some of these backbone characters keep you really engaged throughout. But yeah, Joan Collins, is that it? She was awesome. Yeah. No, Joan Allen. Joan Allen, that's what I mean. Joan Allen. She was really fucking good. So like I really enjoyed her, you know, running through the flick. Yeah, but, yeah so I think I, the romances are... I can see how people get into that kind of like high romantic retellings. Again, I think it's just it's just like weird though. Like it's high romance, but every scene of it, there's just like a weird aggressiveness to a lot of it. And so you're like, <laughs> all right, but I can kind of get behind that, right? The letters and the crying and the kissing in the rain, like the Swan Lake, like that's all become iconic yeah. enough, right? There's, there's I can get in I on that. It's the fucking ending. I cannot suffer this ending. It is and I don't think it adds to, like, look at how much Noah really loves her. No, and I, I think, think it, it's how much Noah cannot not have her again. It is a strange thing, and I've always felt it as just a tag. Like, I think that's the biggest problem with the movie is that it doesn't end with them just, like, hugging. Like, what if they just the danced thing. and he tucked her in and he's like, I'll be right. here tomorrow to read to you. Here's the thing. We all know how that ends. Like, we don't need to see the realism of this moment. Like, we've been whisked away on this, like, otherwise very romantic film that is, you know, you don't yeah. notice until after you're out of the theater that he's a stalker. But, like, what it is, is I don't need the realism. Of, like, we live our lives around realism of dementia and Alzheimer's yeah. every day of our lives. I don't need to be reminded of it. Would you like the ending of The Green Mile? If Tom Hanks as a super elderly man just got fucking mugged and stabbed. Yeah. It's like, no, like, is that I don't a thing want you that. Wanna see? Can like, I just I, have I the like old people having a happy moment? Right. It's and I'm very... one of those. I don't think movies need happy endings. I think this one aggressively attacks the rest of the movie. 
I think that it tries this to one, unravel the movie. They've I been think what's us. annoying is this movie deserves a happy ending because like we've sat through it. There's no reason not to give it a happy ending. And instead we give it this really somber, terrifying ending of like, Oh my God. Yeah. Like what if Peter Falk looks up from the last chapter of the princess bride? He's like, Oh my God, how was that? And Fred Savage is just dead. Like whatever he had, he died or <laughs> Peter Falk didn't realize that he was reading. That right. doesn't make that a better movie. What the fuck and are like you his, doing? And like his mom rushes in. He's like, you didn't notice he had 110 fever. His brain's melting out of he's his ears. He's just covered like, in vomit. He's like, ah. It looks like Regan yeah. from The Exorcist. He's dead. And you're like, well, I'm not watching that movie again. That was right, fine. <laughs> but no, I just, I don't understand what it adds. And it kind of reeks of like Jesus audience to me. Well, I think that's fair. I mean, again, that, like, like this is. Suffering the, you know, one and only person. I'll give everything of myself for someone else. Again, things that not everyone like follows, but that's kind of the beliefs. Well, this is Nicholas Sparks, and again, I don't know enough about his writing. Like, I know yeah, that. Um, same. I mean, you know, this is someone who did. Um, I mean, let's see. I know he's done. Dear I went John. on a Valentine's Day date with Amy to see Dear John with Channing Tatum. Yeah, yeah. That movie is abysmal. Like hard so, to watch. So this movie, wrote, I, I'm pleasantly pleased that it's it's much better than that. He wrote Dear John. The other famous one that I know, like everybody loves, is A Walk to Remember. Is the other one that's like yeah, Amy loves I, Nicholas Sparks and Jody Picoult, like all those kind of authors. Right. Okay. So this has been yeah, like I mean, around. I just have ne I've never seen A Walk to Remember. Like I've never I don't watch this kind of movie very often. This isn't your kind of movie, but this is why I was excited to watch this movie this month. Like when we picked this theme, I was like, we got to watch The Notebook because this movie deserves. Um, like you it's okay because I, I look I like this movie it's fun to watch it's and we talk about this a lot on the show it's okay to go after the ones you like mm -hmm. because movies require some examination it's okay to like think about it and if you apply a shred of logic to this movie it's a red flag story 1000 yeah. percent and that's fine. It's fine. Honestly, I don't even think I had to apply logic. I think they fucking shoved my no in it like I was a puppy that shit on the carpet. Right, but they did a really good... But see, this is like the Nick Cassavetes thing, and he like really good in this movie particular of just like kind of sweeping it under the rug so that you don't pay attention to it until you like walk out of the theater and actually think about the movie. Because by the end of the movie, like... And I don't know, you've seen uh, Just We're Friends, We're going to fight. Right? It's going to be hard. I'm going to tell you a pain in the ass 90% of the time. Like, that's right. how it's going to go. Because, like, have you seen, you've seen Just Friends, right? Ryan Reynolds loses all yeah, the yeah, weight yeah. and he's a music exec. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So there's a scene in this movie where basically he's trying to take, he's trying to date Jamie Palomino, which is uh, Amy Smart's character, and they all go to see The Notebook. And it's like him and her and then Chris Klein's character tags along and then Ryan Reynolds mother's character comes as well which is this whole, it's a great scene in the movie because a like he ends up having to hold his mom's hand during the notebook during like that final scene when she realizes which is not great but then and this is like the thing about that movie the was Chris like Klein a, a big cultural touchstone for a few minutes what the Just, notebook notebook oh yeah absolutely but that's like but and Chris Klein's character says like listen man i know it maybe Maybe sounds a little weird, maybe a little femme, but there's just something so simplistic about Nicholas Sparks' writing. I'm like, a there little it is. Femme. <laughs> simplistic. I it's simplistic. Humor. It, yeah. It's simplistic is that there's no applied logic until there's you no apply. no introspection. Right. Yeah. It requires, like, the introspection that becomes. <laughs> What's that? I feel like that's a very casual, like, hard dunk on Nicholas Sparks. 
it is. I'm not saying it's like, but I'm not saying that it's the the dunk. What I'm saying is, is it's not. And again, I'm not a fucking writer of romance novels. But I'm sure the book probably benefits from a little more like, what the fuck are they thinking? Sure. I mean, again, this is a this is a two hour movie. So like, you know, there's probably some other stuff that got left on the cutting room floor from the book. I think this movie. La- I think what th- people find about this movie that's romantic is weird to me. And I'm not sure I necessarily agree with it. There is a, a line between creep and like hunk. Yeah. Where it's like, how hard do you want people it's to crossed go pretty to often you in this film. <laughs> yeah. Like, see, I'm kind of like James Marsden is how I always think about it. Right. Like, you know, if I come home and find you in bed with another man, I'm just going to go. Cool. Let's call the lawyer. Hack it up. Yeah. Have a good life. Right. Like James Marsden is just like, I'm not going to try to convince my fiance she needs to be with me. And I was like, yes, fucking right on. Um, when this movie when gets she into says that, you like, don't have to, I Ferris know who... wheel, right. Him with the letters. This is the thing. He wrote a lot of letters. Hey, take a fucking four day week and drive up to New York. Go fucking yeah. see her. Why don't you go find her. You fucking. Yeah. Oh, I care so much. I'm going to write a note for 10 minutes a day. Go fucking see her. Get on a train, man. Come on. Yeah. Come on. If you can afford that plantation, you can afford a train ticket. Come on. Neither here nor there. Either way. It is one of those. Look, this is the thing. I knew it as this big, like I said, cultural touchstone for a minute. Everyone was joking about the notebook, referencing the notebook. It became this catch all for like goofy romance tales for a while. So I thought this was going to be this, you know, high grandiose. Look at what they're doing for love, fighting through the war and depression, whatever. I appreciate the strangeness of this movie. Me too. Yes. Like, this is a weird fucking version of that story. Um, okay. And I, I do appreciate that. Just let her be. It's, let her go let, off to the elven lands beyond Middle Earth, right? Yeah. It's not it, cool if her, Samwise just chokes Frodo and doesn't let him move on. <laughs> like, that's a bad let her end of that have, Let her, if you really love her, let her live her best life possible with this super handsome rich guy. Like James Mars also like it's also not even that like, you can fight him when you're young, when she's old and dying of Alzheimer's. Let like, her I think fucking be. I think the problem this is where like for me, the logic problem is James Marsden's character is a decent guy. So you're Misguided, just choosing yes. like you're just choosing a guy who clearly has emotional issues over it the other guy. Romantic. Who, like, and then you see the carnage. And you're like, this hmm. doesn't add up to me. Not sure this is going to work. This does not add up to me, right? If you got to kill three kittens to get a smooch, that's bad math. <laughs> that's bad math. I'm not sure I could put it any finer than that. <laughs> well, you know, I had a lot of time to think. Well, I had a lot when of time to stroke my mustache yeah. <laughs> and twist it up so I look like the Monopoly guy. <sighs> that fucking guy. I couldn't tell if he was cool or not. Anywho. That's he was enough. telling racist jokes at the uh, yeah. kitchen table. Oh, that's Ooh. right. He's out. And he's not good enough for you, huh? Um, yeah, fuck that guy. Fuck all these parents except for Sam Shepard. Uh, leave your <laughs> wife alone, you fucking monster. That's it for the notebook. That's it for Amour. <laughs> We've had enough of that shit. Yuck. Gross. Get on. We're Let's like on Fred Savage. Month. Is this a kissing book? Gross. <laughs> it's actually a really fun month of movies. I've enjoyed this quite I, a I've lot. I've enjoyed this. Over on Patreon, we had The Mist and City of Lost Children. It's been a great month on Patreon. Commentary still to come. Awesome stuff. Well, no, you'll have that by now. Sorry, we record in the 
the distant past. So you're all yes. time travelers by the time you hear this. Uh, next month, we are excited to announce on the main feed, we'll be covering our two favorite Oscar movies that we haven't already covered since we talked about the menu in January. Mm-hmm. The Banshees of Innershin, everything, everywhere, all at once. We're going to talk about those to start the month as a uh, kickoff to Oscar month. Yep. And then we are finishing out the main Alien franchise, right? We're doing Alien, Aliens, Alien 3. Yep. We've already done Resurrection, and then that's it. We'll talk about Prometheus and those someday down the road. Uh, but we had a three-week window, and we're doing Aliens. Yeah. And then we're very excited to announce in April, we have our damn dirty April month uh, with our guest, Jay Rollins, uh, who you will know from our show before, hopefully a great comic book artist, great guy. He will be joining us to discuss... The total, the total sum of Planet of the Apes, right? So the original franchise, Mocky Mock, and Mocky the new Mock trilogy. Version. We are doing the entire run, all nine movies for the month of April. So if you would be so kind, if you don't want to hear Apes that month, you're still going to get your Patreon exclusives because we are like that. We work hard over here. So go to patreon.com slash Pod for more awesome stuff. And it truly is the best way to help support Alex and I and the show. Uh, help us grow this thing. We want to use those resources to find ways to grow this show. So your commitment to helping us helps us do that, and we appreciate it greatly. Uh, the new people we've seen come in, thank you, thank you, thank you. It means a lot to us. We appreciate yeah. you. Uh, the YouTube Film Alchemist, the email, filmalchemistpod at gmail.com. We're on the socials. Leave those ratings and reviews and tell a friend about the show. God damn it. Find a friend who's losing their mind and read a notebook just full of quotes from our show to them. Please, God, do that. Help us grow the show. Anywho, we'll be seeing you guys Please. next month uh, for the Banshees of I'll be of seeing you in all the familiar places. Oh, sorry. Is that weird now? Yeah, it's recontextualized. You're welcome. Gross. Bye. <laughs> Bye.